Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Record Spinner Podcast. I am your host, Noel, and today, like every day, we're going to get into exploring black music's relics, legends, and giants all through the lens of a black vinyl collector. So today, um, first and foremost, I have updates. I have my first bit of fan mail, fan email, so round of applause. Huge thank you to all the support, though, for for that uh, last episode that uh, I did, uh, my MF Doom tribute episode. Uh, it was a really well-received um, episode, so I really appreciate all the support, the clicks, the shares. Continue, please continue doing that. However you do so, however you uh, subscribe or listen to the podcast, continue to do that. Share it with your audiophile friends, your friends who are into vinyl, your friends who are into music. And always feel free to email me, feel free to respond to me, DM me, whatever. Get in touch with me and let me know what you think about the show. Even if it's not all the best, I can hear horrible things about myself. I promise you, it doesn't have to be all positive. So whatever your concerns, questions, uh, suggestions are, please let me know. And you can do that at by emailing me at therecordspinnerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit the website, therecordspinner.com. You can get in touch with me and DM me as, you know, slot into the DMs, as the kids say. You can do that at Rebirth of the Cool on IG and Twitter. IG is, of course, Instagram for you oldies out there watching or listening. Um, follow me on Instagram at Rebirth of the Cool. Now that I got that out of the way, let's hop into my fan email. I always wanted to do that. Anyway, I got a message shortly after posting the show. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be um, that well of a received show. I thought, you know, it was going to kind of be like another show where, you know, I pulled in my stats, the same stats as I always do. But the stats were extremely uh, good for this episode. Uh, Record-breaking, dare I say. And, um, and of course, with the record-breaking stats, I, I kind of felt it in my soul that I was going to get my first piece of fan mail. This fan mail came from a lady named Miranda, and Miranda emailed me just some amazing compliments of the show. Uh, but she also wanted to know why I hated hooks and raps so much, and so I'll read her email here briefly. Um, and and trying to answer her question a little bit, but I do, before I get into her question, I do want to say that I do backtrack or retract some of what I said in that tribute episode to MF Doom. I was just trying to highlight how I felt as a, as a child, as a kid, listening to MF Doom and, uh, and hearing how he utilized his ability, his lyrical ability to just wipe out entirely the need of a hook and I think that that can be done a lot more with contemporary rap and hip-hop, but I feel like it's a lazy man's route to kind of make sure that your song is marketable with having that hook or that chorus included. Um, so I kind of answered her question right off the jump, but I, I do want to still read her question because, you know, it's my first first email from a fan, so I, I really appreciate it. Miranda says, I understand that you, I understand what you mean 
uh, by rappers overusing and over relying on hooks and rap. Uh, but you shouldn't underestimate the power of a good hook. She goes on to ask, why can't hooks be given the same credit and importance as the lyrics are in rap songs? And, and again, I kind of spelled it out. I didn't mean to diminish the importance of a good hook. Um, I, right now in my head, of course, I have the, the infamous um, taking over for the 9-9 and the 2000 stuck in my head right now. And, and that hook, Back That Ass Up, is one of the greatest hooks of all time, right? I mean, girl, you look good, won't you? Back that ass up. You will find Emma effort, won't you? Back that ass up. I mean, th this is a classic uh, example of hooks in music that actually work. And, and whether it's that was pure marketability or or whatever it was. I mean, you have to admit that that was semi-genius for for the uh, target audience that they were looking to to show that song to. It worked. Um, but sometimes in hip-hop, it can be a little gimmicky. It can be a little bit too... You can rely a little bit too heavy on that hook to sell the song. That also, Back That Ass Up, is actually a good example for that as well. So in the same breath, the same song is kind of the problem and the... And the the solution in the same breath it's it's a part of what's good about the hook and it's also a part of what's bad about the hook all in one song so i i urge you to go and revisit that song if you if you don't already on the weekends all the time um go revisit that song and and, and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about that over reliance on that hook kind of overshadowing the the lyrics in the song um, I know the lyrics aren't supposed to be important in that song, but but again, this is what I meant by that template, right? That template of all hip-hop being kind of geared toward um, being marketable as opposed to being a, a form of art. This is what I meant. So I hope I answered your question, Miranda. She goes on to end the... the she goes on to end her, her question by saying that she loves, loves in all caps, loves the podcast and so i hope that she continues to watch and continues to listen uh and and never hesitate to reach back out to me miranda with more questions i'm sure you'll have questions about today's episode as i will be getting into a topic that um i haven't seen a lot around the web and so i'm hoping that uh it sparks some some like something within somebody within some group of people to kind of get going and start talking about this project and this man and the legend and the time and of course the the very important themes behind how this man um, left us of course so with that said um again thank you miranda for for the uh for the lovely note and the question really appreciate that um, we're going to get right into uh, some vinyl recommendations now, of course, and you know the vinyl recommendations. It's a very important part of this show. Uh, I try to highlight a record or two here and there that I've been listening to nonstop. And of course here, um, I'm going to highlight in this edition, uh, Wendell Harrison's soulful 1980 release on his self, um, on his, I think it's his independent uh, soul and jazz label Winha. Um, this release is called Dreams of a Love Supreme. Now, my copy is a reissue from Tidal Waves Music, um, and it's a limited edition ice blue copy. Now, of course, 
I don't really get into the the colored vinyl that heavy, um, but it does make me think of getting someone who is uh, very into the colored vinyl um, on the show. Just like I want to have an audio file on the show, I want to have a person who rec- works in a record store on the show. I want to get these different perspectives uh, because the vinyl world is extremely big, and this is the whole point of of why I'm doing what I'm doing with this podcast. It's just to get people into finding whatever their niche is in vinyl because it's here. If you're into collecting contemporary music, which I'm not a big fan of, you know, people who collect like Young Thug and, and 21 Savage vinyl, like I don't really understand that. But if you're into that, you can do it. It's here. It, it exists. It's you, you can find a spot for yourself in the vinyl world. It's extremely important that everyone knows that. So that is what I'm trying to convey here with uh, with this podcast. Anyway, back to the release. It's a soulful body of work. Probably uh, one of my faves that I've one of my favorite recent grabs that I have. That's why it's being highlighted here in the vinyl recommendations. Um, it's an amazing body of work. Just absolute soul from front to back. Um, there's some good moments with the vocals in here. Uh, Take Time Out, I think, is uh, is the intro track, and it's a beautiful track. Kind of puts you in the mood of like relaxing and enjoying your Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning. And of course, it gets into some like kind of weirder, kind of like cooler um, jazz examples, soul jazz examples with songs like Pink Snowballs and Violet Skies. Um, that is my favorite track off of this release. Now, I've talked about Wendell Harrison before. Wendell Harrison is a part of the collective, a part of the foundation of Tribe Records, and that's the independent black jazz record label out of Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. I always wanted to say that, too. Um, yeah, but it, he's in the same vein as, like, the uh, the Stanley Cowles. Uh, I mentioned... Uh, black jazz record label out in oakland uh it's in the same vein as those uh record labels strata east and black jazz um it's in based out of it was based out of detroit back in the 70s and it had some amazing releases it's actually getting a vinyl me please full catalog i think um kind of examination or reissue um, it's a little bit expensive. It's done through um, now and again. Now and again makes some amazing uh, reissues of some really lost relics and records. Um, so I'm, I'm really I follow them on on IG. I think they have some tie to Madlib in some way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, they do some amazing work over there now and again. And uh, the vinyl, please um, catalog. Um, a review that they're going to be doing with Tribe is something that's long overdue, and so I'm excited to see that. Uh, it is a little bit expensive, so I'm not going to be partaking up front, but uh, if they have some stuff on the back end, I'll probably you know cherry pick some of my favorite records from Tribe. So, anyway, I'm going to get right into the topic. We don't have long, I want to keep this 30 minutes today. The topic of the day is remembering Master Well. Remembering the master himself, Brother Weldon Irvine. Now, I've mentioned Brother Weldon Irvine in a few different episodes. Um, Brother Weldon, or Master Well, uh, was a relic in the black community. And the way he left this plane, um, 
was a very tragic way and i want to talk about that a little bit here um, while also highlighting a lot of what he left us to kind of remember him by um, and then i'm going to talk about um, a, a documentary that is going to be all about him and i really want anyone who's listening to this podcast and who's interested in learning more about the brother to uh, to go and support if they can um, so without further ado i want to hop right in but of course we got to pay some bills i've always wanted to say that too <laughs> i'm getting all of these like bucket list quotes out of here right now um but yeah we got to go pay some bills so a word from our sponsor and then we're gonna hop right into it so take it away anchor ad if you haven't heard of anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain. It's free. The biggest part, right? It's completely free. There are also creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, and so many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's the best of all worlds. So I encourage you, if you're in the podcast market and looking for a place to start, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Alrighty. So with that out of the way, all the bills paid, all the one the one bill that I had to pay that nets me like, you know, negative amounts of money every episode <laughs> um anyway uh let's hop right into the topic again exploring the life and legacy of of master well uh, brother weldon irvine um this is again just a brief examination of the life of weldon or master well um, master well was known as a composer playwright poet pianist organist keyboardist and most importantly to this show here today he was an activist a black activist um, I would consider him a black liberationist, much like I consider myself. We'll get into that. Of course, Master Will is most noted for writing the infamous To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. Um, this song was made famous, of course, by Nina Simone. Uh, Donny Hathaway did a version, and of course, Aretha Franklin also did a rendition of this song. Um, it was known for a little bit of time, kind of as a, a, a black national anthem, if you will. Uh, he also wrote a follow-up play that is a little bit lesser known, but a, kind of a comic play on his To Be Young, Gifted, and Black song. Uh, the play was called To Be Young, Gifted, and Broke, as Master Well uh, dealt with that issue of, of creating art for art's sake, uh, creating it for his people, and not really seeing the benefits, not really seeing the fruit of his labor um, produce in his lifetime, which uh, I'm not going to get into quite today because I've covered that a bit uh, with other episodes. But um, it's a really sad thing to see. And this is kind of it kind of ties into to his demise, I think. Um, he also played piano and composed songs, not only for Nina Simone, but also Horace Silver and a few other jazz giants. Uh, Horace Silver, I haven't mentioned him on the show. He is a jazz giant. Um, did most of his recording on the infamous Blue Note record label. Uh, Blue Note is, um, of course, one of the biggest record labels in jazz music. Um, very mainstream record label now. Um, when it first when it first started, though, it was kind of an independent thing. Started by some uh, some European cats that came over and uh, saw saw the black cats getting down with some music, 
and was like, hey, we got to record this. We're going to put this on wax. And, and you know, now they're like the biggest thing in, in jazz music. So kudos to uh, to the brothers from Europe for uh, for having that vision. Right. Anyway, back to Master Will. Um, this is the most important part uh, of, of his accolades. I think here uh, Master Will is noted for also being one of the main pioneers for the transition of jazz music going into hip-hop. This is something I talked about in the Mentorship is Key episode. If you didn't check that episode out, go do it. Um, but he is a main player in this, and I, and I kind of lumped him in with a whole bunch of other jazz giants who did that, Roy Ayers and Donald Byrd, Herbie Hancock. Um, there were a few names that I left out, of course, and and, and I think I noted that right after I, I, I released that episode. But there are also cats like Quincy Jones, who we think of as a mega producer, as he is now. Um, and, of course, being uh, having ties to the, one of the biggest music acts in all of music history, Michael Jackson. Um, but Quincy Jones, before all of that, before Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and before Michael Jackson, he was a jazz musician who was very renowned for his jazz sound. He actually had a very unique and very pro-black jazz sound that he had. So I suggest you go check out um, some of Quincy's early stuff by itself, her solo stuff. Miles Davis is also in the same uh, breath as these guys who I'm talking about here, pioneering jazz music into hip-hop miles davis is uh, uh, uh apart from being the prince of darkness and and the father of uh fusion jazz music he also is a trendsetter which we all know miles to be a uh, very big trendsetter he always he, he not followed but created the trend of whatever the big thing was making that his own thing kind of putting that miles davis touch on it and uh, he did that with hip hop music a little bit too before he passed away. Um, so Miles is in the same vein as a, as a Weldon Irvine. So he's in good company, and and that's why I'm talking about him today. He's also from Hampton, Virginia, which is an interesting little fun fact there. Um, Hampton, uh, Virginia. I went to school out on the coast in Norfolk, Virginia. So I know a little bit about the Seven Cities. Shout out to the Seven Cities and all those who uh, who click play from the Seven Cities. Um, yeah, the last thing here is, is that, I mean, Master Well was known by his peers and students as Master Well. That wasn't a term that I just made up and, you know, put on him because he's an ancestor. It's a term that he had and he wasn't, it was, he was very serious about it. In fact, uh, according to a few, few different accounts, um, he really respected if you called him Master Well and not anything else. Um, he, he sometimes didn't respond or didn't answer to anything but Master Well, actually. Um, he was called this because he had a wealth of knowledge and, and understanding in, in areas of musical theory and, of course, spiritual um, spiritual theory as well. So he was very grounded spiritual, spiritually. Um, he understood a lot of spiritual concepts, went through a lot of different spiritual doors. Um, if you're on a spiritual journey yourself, you can understand that. Um, people say he they remember um, uh, where he was doing or practicing Islam. Some people say he, you know, they remember when he was a devout Christian. Um, so he just he goes through so many different phases with his spiritual walk that I think it also ties into uh, his demise. Now, this is where I'm going to get into a little bit um his demise so master well took his own life by shooting himself in front of the nassau coliseum located in uniondale new york this happened on april 9th 2002 
and no one really saw this coming too it was it was it took everybody who knew master well by surprise um, and it was likely due to the fact that he was known to be so strong-willed and, and such a such a presence spiritually to all who knew him. But the, but this artist, he dealt with the artist and the activist, Master Well. He dealt with depression. He dealt with this from a genetic sense, and he dealt with it from, of course, his creative sense. Um, and so his mother actually committed suicide when he was 21 years old. That had to be something that really took a toll on Master Well. Of course, though, you know, friends and, and people around him never saw him show too much emotion. He was never too high or never too low, always even killed. And that's something that it, it takes a toll on people who have to keep it inside. And I think that coupled with the genetics and then also coupled with um, what I want to say here uh, as an activist he lived through the 60s. He lived through the tumultuous 60s and saw black leaders like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King get assassinated. He witnessed the riots and the protests and all the craziness that happened. And of course, uh, to get black people integrated into schools and into, of course, white life in general. I think this took a toll on him. I think uh, all of these things kind of made the perfect storm um, because this brother was so conscious, he was so understanding of, of what black people needed. And when I say that, I mean that from the artist's perspective. So he never went and sought out the record deals and, and tried to hop on a Blue Note jazz label or whatever jazz label. He, he sought to create his own he, and he wanted his people to do the same. He wanted his people to first admire the fact that he, he did his own thing and created his own labels and created his own music. Um, but I think at the end of it all, he saw that it was kind of like like this podcast almost like it's, it's kind of all for nothing. It, it's going into the wind because the, you don't have the, the same uh, the same dollar amount that's going behind the marketing. You don't have the same stature that these uh, larger jazz labels have. So you're not reaching the same amount of people. But of course, the trade off is, you know, you, you do your own thing um, with these major labels and they may not put your record out. They may shelf you. They may shelf your entire catalog. So he saw that, I think, at an early age and decided to take the road less traveled. And uh, we have to applaud brothers for doing that. We have to applaud brothers and sisters for taking the road less traveled and making, trying to make their mark in music, but not being able to do so fully. Again, I'll, I'll keep mentioning his name until I'm so tired of mentioning his name. But Nipsey Hussle, I think, is the greatest example, modern example of this. A person who is trying to do his own thing, trying to leave a mark in music his own way in his own style um, and fails to do so while alive. He doesn't become a big name while he's alive. But then, of course, he passes away. And then all of a sudden he's he's a he's a martyr. And so we got to get out of this martyrdom um, that we constantly put ourselves in as, as a black community, respecting our relics and black music. It's it's really not it's really kind of ugly because, you know, they, they aren't supposed to be martyrs. We should celebrate these people while they're alive and while they're making amazing music while they're alive. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think as an activist, uh, Master Well saw a few different things happen. Um, again, living through the 60s and 70s and, and being a liberated brother, being a person who saw things for what they were. He gets to projects like the Amadou project 
and the Amadou project is the price of freedom. This is released on his uh, independent black jazz record label Nadlu, and Nadlu is his name backwards actually, which you know I, I figured out um, not too long ago, which kind of blew my mind. Um, but this record is really important for a few different reasons. So bear with me as I try to explain these reasons. This record. Um, and I think it has something to do with, of course, he names it after um, a gentleman who is killed by police in New York City, Amadou Diallo, um, who was, again, murdered at the hands of police back in 1999, if I'm correct. And I think this moment, this death, I think sets him over the edge um, when it comes to uh, his sanity almost. And I think it did so because of all the things that I mentioned before, kind of pressuring, pressure cooking down on Weldon. And and I think when geniuses, creative geniuses get to a certain point of misunderstanding or going down that wormhole or that rabbit hole of being liberated, um, I think they reach a point of no return that they just kind of see that there's no real way out of this. You know, the ultimate end for everybody on this planet is death. And so with that being the ultimate end and things not seeming like they're changing for my people, and that's what I've devoted my entire life to is, is to give amazing art to my people and they don't really appreciate it. I'm considered an underground musician or I'm considered, you know, uh, an alternative jazz musician as opposed to just being considered with the Miles Davises and the John Coltrane's. I'm something other and I've devoted my life to this thing. So I think that he found that finally set in on him. And, and with that, I think um, there was almost no other op option for for the brother. And that's sad, but I think that's that's just my take on, on why he shot himself on April 9th. Honestly, um, the project Amadou project, the price of freedom, is a very important project. Now, I have this highlighted in the, uh, in the in my notes as a notable project, but it is the most notable project I think we should discuss here on on this episode for a number of reasons. Not only is this a project that I feel like is super devoted to the activist side of Brother or Master Well. But it also contains the creation of a group that I didn't even know this was kind of the foundation for. Um, so the Amadou Project is actually from his 1999 release. Um, this was a release off of his, again, off of his independent label, Nadalu. And it's weird because I, I checked this record out on Discogs and I was able to listen to it on Discogs. Of course, they have, you know, little links where you can listen to tracks and such this project is nuts it's very all over the place it's spoken word it's rap it's hip-hop it's jazz it's soul it's funk it's literally all of the black genres of music combined into this one record um the record's hard to find i literally cannot find this record anywhere um there are no vinyl copies available um, on the interwebs and there's one cd copy that is actually going around for get this a whopping 250 dollars now before you laugh and say no one's gonna buy a, a cd for 250 dollars 
I've actually bought CDs for $75, not $100, but $75, $80. I've bought CDs for that much. And and it's and I bought them kind of for the same reason that people, someone's going to buy this $250 Amadou project. Is You can't find the record anywhere. It's not being reissued or repressed. And so, of course, you want to have possession of this project because it's a very notable, noteworthy project. And so you will spend that money if you have it. Um, to to own this piece of, of jazz and hip-hop history. Again, this project is where the group Black Stars found it. Yasin Bey, formerly known as Mostef, and Talib Kweli start their group, their infamous conscious Black hip-hop group. Black Star, they started here on this project. This is the first time they rap together. And that's pretty crazy to think about. Uh, this project also features Don Blackman and a whole host of other amazing, talented musicians, hip-hop artists, uh, Latinx um, artists. It literally, it's it's like We Are the World, but the underground version. Like, And for black people, of course. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's really an awesome project. Uh, I probably will take another listen to it. Um, and that's just because uh, it was that good of a project. But um, I, I encourage everyone who listens to this podcast to check out uh, Master Wells' whole catalog. It's an amazing body of work that he left us. And he didn't leave it to us for nothing. He left it to us because he knew we were going to be in a time where we would need a voice like Master Wells again. Now, Master Wells has a documentary coming up and this documentary is absolutely fascinating Uh, i think it'll touch a lot deeper on some of the things that i mentioned here on this episode the documentary is called digging for weldon and the documentary is done by a man by the name of victorious da costa victorious da costa uh, this is his first documentary i believe it may not be please please forgive me if i'm wrong uh, mr DeCosta. uh but i've watched a few different interviews with him one including on sway um and he's talking about the importance of mental health and and how this documentary hopes to kind of address some of those things master well in my opinion uh, the thing that kept coming up the theme or the person that kept coming up as I was doing my research for this show, was Kanye West. I see a lot of that in Kanye West, and I'm not saying that Kanye West is on the same level as this as this legend uh, in jazz music. But what I am saying is that the mental health stuff is is extremely uh, sensitive in the black community, especially among males. Uh, we don't like to talk about it a lot. Uh, this is something that I talked about last episode with uh, the Doom tribute. Um, it was very important for me to see males deal with that in, in a variety of ways. So I'm not saying that MF Doom dealt with it the right way, right? But the fact that he was able to understand um, himself enough to uh, feel comfortable with having these aliases that were also different personalities, um, that bode well for me. That made me feel really comfortable with talking about my uncomfortable my uncomfortableness um and this is the most important part of master well in my opinion is the fact that for 
a man who was renowned as a master and was taken so seriously by all who knew him. He needed that outlet. He needed that that person to go to. And so what I want to stress here is if, if you are that person in your friend circle, if you're a creative genius, if you're a person who, who deals with, with thinking bad thoughts or deals with the stress of the world and, and the stress of the political climate we live in or personal issues that you deal with, one, don't be ashamed of it. Talk about it. Find help to talk about it. Find some place safe to talk about it with or some person safe to talk about it with, rather. But also, the most important piece is unplug, man. Get away from this stuff. Get away from all of the digital gadgets and distractions. Get away from it. Unplug, de-stress, decompress. Get away. And don't be afraid to be in your head sometimes. It's needed. It's needed for for getting clarity. And um, yeah, I think I think that's really what I wanted to cover. It's just being a liberated brother is hard. I mean, the shit you see with those liberated lenses, it would scare most people. Scare most of us. It takes a strong individual to be able to move through this place with liberated glasses on. And I say all of the liberated stuff because Master Wells' debut release was Liberated Brother. And I think in 1972, he was seeing things that would go on to lead to his liberation. But liberation isn't easy. It's hard. It's tough because that's the ultimate freedom, right? And so once you break all of the shackles of of all the labels and all of the stereotypes and the, all of the, the hindrances, distractions. Once you get away from all that stuff, then what? It's darkness, right? It's crazy. But don't be afraid to talk about that darkness, even if people don't necessarily understand. I think that's my time. Thank you for listening. Um, again, notable projects for Master Well. Liberated Brother in 1972. This is Nod Lu. Weldon and the Cats, 1989. Also Nod Lu. The Sisters, 1979. The Amadou Project. The Price of Freedom. That's also Nod Lu. And then he has a Strata East release from 1974 in Harmony. And this is in the same vein as the Amadou Project. I can't find any stateside copies of this strata east release and the only copy i can find is over in eu over in europe and it's uh, currently going for 450 dollars so clearly he is a valued black man now and black people we have to get back to wanting to understand and value our black legends because they wanted us to understand them and respect them and love them. I've said this before. So let's start now. Let's just start now, man. He didn't do this for nothing. And he didn't do this for white people. So they shouldn't be the only people that own his music. <laughs> it's just my opinion. Again, that's my time. 
questions, concerns, email me at the record spinner podcast. Guys, take it easy out there. Peace.